This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Sam Warren, Vice President of Farrell Design Build, the West Coast Business Unit of Menard USA. Joining him today are two new engineering professionals coming fresh out of college, Adam Faco and Luis Pinedo. We'll be talking about the dynamic interplay between AI and geotechnical engineering, talk about the challenges and the opportunities that are presented to young engineers. We'll also look at how AI is reshaping engineering practices and how we can prepare for future trends. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our sponsor for today's episode, that being Menard USA. I would like to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Menard USA. Do you have projects where you are faced with building on soft or loose ground? Does it seem like all the good sites are taken and you're always building on poor soils that are a challenge for conventional foundation approaches? Menard may be able to help. As a specialty ground improvement contractor, Menard works nationally and internationally providing design-build ground improvement solutions at sites with problematic soils. Typical projects include warehouses, buildings, material storage piles, embankments, roadways, port facilities, storage tanks, platforms, and more. In many cases, ground improvement is less costly than traditional approaches such as removal and replacement or piling systems. Menard works closely with civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers to minimize foundation costs for wide ranges of soil conditions, structure types, and loading conditions. To learn more about Menard USA or for help on your next project, please visit www.menardusa.com. That's www.menardusa.com. Sam, Adam, Luis, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Happy to be here. Doing great. Thank you. Appreciate you all carving out some time for us. And, um, you know, I'm usually, it's usually myself and, and one guest, but we have like the bonus here of having the three of you. So it'd be great if uh, each of you could introduce yourselves to listeners, you know, explain a little bit about what you do on a daily basis. As far as order, I guess we'll do Sam. Then we'll do Adam, and then we'll close Luis. But let us know a little bit more about yourself. Tell us your story. I'm Sam. I'm a vice president at Feral Design Build. I've uh, been with the company for 15 years now. I haven't escaped yet. Still here. And uh, we specialize in deep foundations and ground improvement all throughout the West Coast of the United States. You know, it's a challenge. We serve our people. We try to serve our customers. We enjoy doing that now as part of Menar USA. So we joined them in 2021. So my name's Adam Faco. I'm a newly graduated college student, Bachelor of Science from Sacramento State in civil engineering. I'm newly hired junior engineer at Feral Design Build. Hi, my name's Luis. I'm currently an intern at Feral. I've been here for about half a year now. I graduate next semester, so that'll be May 2024. And uh, I'm excited for the future. Thank you so much, Sam. 
how do you see the role of experienced engineers? How do you see that role evolving in an AI-driven industry? Just by every meeting I'm in, people are talking about AI. What are your thoughts there? I don't think we know how to respond to it. What's been new in geotech in the last 50 years? Like the fundamentals are pretty fundamental. We're not very receptive or expedient uh, to change. So I think uh, all of us hear about AI. I think all of us uh, older guys are like, how does this affect us? Because certainly the computer and the, uh, the phone affected us. And I can't think of a successful geotech company or structural engineer who doesn't have a computer. So is this going to be in 10 years, a thing with AI? These are all questions that we're very uncomfortable with. And unfortunately, I just don't know. And uh, that's why I'm really intrigued to hear these two gentlemen as young engineers who are deeply exposed to this in academia and uh, to hear what their thoughts are. So Adam, you know, how has AI influenced your undergraduate studies in the last year? Like what is happening? So I'd say it's had a big influence on it. I use ChatGPT for multiple things. I'd say some of the things that I use it for are if I write something, I will present it to ChatGPT and ask it to critique it and ask it to, if it has like any ways I could say things better or change my grammar. Other ways that I use it is if there's a concept that I'm not really clear on, I might test my waters with ChatGPT and see if it could clear anything up. I have found that sometimes it will give incorrect information. So that's kind of, you kind of just use it as a guide if you have, or if there's nowhere else to go, you can go to ChatGPT and see if it ha can give you any good information. And I'd say the, the final thing is it has a built-in OCR. It's an optical character recognition. So say you had a PDF with a table that you would like to be in Excel, but you don't want to spend time inputting. You could take a screenshot of it post it to chat GPT and it'll instantly give you a CSV that you could post into Excel. So that's how it's, it's uh, affected me. For those that are saying, what's a CSV? Uh, it's a comma separated value, I think is what it, it's basically just a, an Excel format that's separated by commas. The values are separated by commas that Excel interprets as a table. So you could put the data in and then all of a sudden it, it tabulates itself. Yeah, so that's a form of automation. It's been super useful. I've used it both professionally and in school. And Luis, how do you feel your undergraduate studies will be benefited or harmed by AI? I say that because Adam just said something about sometimes it's not right. So what are your thoughts there, Luis? I think it's beneficial for, like Adam said, to build off what he said, you know, double checking your grammar. I think it can help in that, in that sense. And also, I found it's very helpful for research. Sometimes I'm kind of stuck on where to start. Uh, if I ask ChatGPT, it can give me a, a, you know, generate a list of ideas to build off of, you know, and concepts to dive into. At the same time, though, I think it can be harmful to our learning, uh, especially like in our undergraduate years, we're learning critical thinking skills. And some people will use ChatGPT or another form of that to kind of as like a cop out instead of actually, you know, engaging in that conversation with other peers. So I guess it kind of is harmful to like, collaboration it kind of stops people from collaborating with one another and instead of asking your classmate or your professor why not consort an ai so i think that's uh, where it can be harmful sam how has the technology transformed the field of geotech in the recent years this is really very recent years but what are your thoughts there i don't think we've seen a lot honestly i think we've seen it through you know our outlook our spell check I think the uh, fringes of the services that we use, we see a lot of uh, AI-driven things. 
You know, if we're using uh, things like Salesforce to track uh, relationships with customers, you see some aspects of AI there. But in terms of the bread and butter calculations and geotech, it's not glamorous right now, right? And these young guys are, I would say, the best uh, position to know in the background what's happening in the real world while just getting into the depths of geotech. There's a huge opportunity for the young crowd to identify some of the good that can come of the uh, leveraging AI. You know, honestly, I think there's a couple companies that could come out of this. I know we have big, big hitters like CSI and and Bentley, a lot of other companies that offer tools that we use day to day. I think we'll see some new companies come out of this. It's an opportunity and and the folks that are paying attention and finding a way to leverage it are the ones that are going to benefit from that, right? And then everybody else that sitting on the sidelines is going to get blown past. So Luis, from your perspective, again, exiting college and entering the workforce, how important do you think AI will be for the long-term career? I can see it definitely being an important aspect long-term, like 10, 20 years from now. Um, I think AI is great at maximizing efficiencies as well as like generating agendas. So maybe it can help out being more organized. As far as like in geotech specifically, I think I'm a little too early to see maybe where it can be used and where it can't be used. Automation is becoming a big thing. And I think it can help out with, you know, day-to-day tasks for sure. When Sam was talking about the potential for companies to come about, the real opportunity there is when you have you know, young folks that understand the technology and then more seasoned professionals that know what these pain points are and perhaps some of the nitty gritty or the things that we don't feel like doing or more run of the mill or easier to define, perhaps the, those can be automated so we can focus in, you know, attention on something else. But Sam, what are some innovative practices that companies can adopt to foster a workplace culture that's conducive to the growth of young talent? If you're saying that there's talent that can really lead us to the next chapter of what geotech looks like, but if we're not talking it, we're not engaging it, we're going to miss out on that. So how do we have cultures that get them to be a part of that? I'll tell you some of my naive thoughts. I think it's easy to get distracted on AI as some magical thing to uh, help us in the future, but I think we can't be distracted. We always have to focus on the humans, the human aspect that AI can't uh, replicate. There will always be a need to sell. There will always be a need to communicate some obscure concept or a solution to a client or customer and stakeholders. As we progress to attract talent, we always have to be willing and able to always continue to bring up the new generation. So mentorship cannot be replaced by AI. The older people have to keep on investing in the young coming in. So I think that's the most important thing. And then also just having an atmosphere of openness to new things. It would be a mistake to close off and to say, well, I just don't understand this and whatever. You know, I'm out in 10 years and I'm going to retire. That's a mistake. I think uh, that's a disservice to the the new generation coming in. And uh, it's here. It's going to affect every aspect of your life. And uh, certainly it may take a little longer for geotech and you should pay attention and uh, be open to it. Before we go on here, I'm going to take a quick break to recognize our other sponsor for the episode, PPI, a Kaplan company. We'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. 
PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. It's super key. I mean, here at the Engineering Management Institute, we've always really talked about the importance of, of mentorship, the importance of coaching, and any seasoned professional, if they're being honest, they'll tell you that they made it because somebody invested in them. And if we're not investing in our people, we're counting on a computer or a, you know AI to do that, we're going to be in trouble, right? If you're providing a culture where that's something that's still important, you're right. We're going to get those good ideas. We're going to make sure that we're walking together with both generations or, or tiers of generations getting the best of what's available. So I, that's encouraging to me, as I'm sure it is for folks that are listening. Now, Adam, what can you say employers and engineer organizations could do to promote change in this new AI field? I mean, what are some of the things that should be incorporated or considered? First thing that comes to mind is kind of building off what Sam said, just be open to experimentation and have, you know, an innovative mindset and just kind of maintaining that type of environment is really important. Other things, this may be in the future, but maybe develop some sort of guideline once we have a good grasp on what AI is going to be useful for and what it isn't on how it can be used in an ethical and like accountable way. So if there's like a new professional coming in to a company there should be some guideline in place in the future to say, you know, you can use AI for this, but probably don't want to use it for this. Something like that. Other things that come to mind is maybe like provide some training. It might be that the company is in communication with the entities that are creating that AI, that every time there's something new that's created or a new feature, that there's bi-yearly trainings so that they can be applied to the workplace. I'm interested to see how these uh, engineering organizations will respond. You know, are we uh, taking a, a lead here? We have the uh, ASCE code of conduct or ethics. Maybe we should uh, take that out and think about how AI will change that. Each organization is studying at the same time, it seems. I, I was in a meeting for uh, American Council of Engineering Companies uh, not too long ago, and we're just talking about what does this mean for us as engineers? And it's one of those things I think when we came out, it said, we have to make sure we understand and that we don't just say, we don't understand it. We're not going to pay attention to it. It's like you have to find a way to understand what it means and what it means for you as an organization, as an industry, and in our case, as a discipline of civil engineering. So again, I see it as an opportunity and I'm excited. And with the young generation here with us now, I think that we're having the conversation, which is a good conversation and timely one. Now, Luis, when you think about looking for an employer or a place to work. I mean, there are probably some important qualities that you're looking for in that type of entity. But how do you think that AI will influence the quality in the long run as you're making that decision? It was mentioned earlier that, you know, it's either you go with the times or you're left behind in the dust. As a young person looking at future careers, I'm, I'm going to be attracted more to a, you know, a company who has qualities of growth. And if you're keeping up with the times and innovating and, and renovating your own infrastructure within your company, it shows me that you're planning on being here for a long time and I can hop on board and be with you for a while. So, now, Sam, what are some of the biggest challenges that young engineers might face in adapting to these new work environments? Work environments that you and I don't even know how to explain right now. 
yeah, how do you foster engineering judgment when it's so easy to get a hard answer from AI? My encouragement to anyone who is young, even in school right now, you really have to resist the urge to accomplish a task just to get a grade. You really got to resist the urge to not suffer. And when I say that, like when you're faced with a challenging uh, test question or a paper that you have to write, you don't learn by the answer. You learn by the struggle in your brain. I just, my encouragement is whatever distraction, whatever promises that we have of this thing that's going to solve our world problems. Well, never let that distract you from your own development. You really have to internalize it. You have to know it. Even if AI provides you a suggestion, like Adam said, you still need the discernment to realize, hey, maybe this is uh, not quite right. Focus on yourself and focus on your own long-term career and developments. Don't let AI distract you. I like the way you said that, distract, because that's a huge temptation. It's like the answer key is potential answer key, right? Because Adam said, I heard Adam say it, sometimes it's wrong. He didn't say often it's wrong, but he said sometimes it's wrong. So it's the answer key, but it might not be the right answer key. That's a tough temptation for someone that's learning ethics, right? It's like you're not a professional engineer yet, right? But have that awareness and mindset is so important. So thank you for that, Sam. Adam, what obstacles do you see for future young engineers? So I think one of the obstacles is sort of the rapid technological advancement that's occurring. I think it's creating sort of a disconnect between the professional environment and the school environment. So as technology is advancing, it's accelerating. And the skill gap is going to, like there's going to be a a growing mismatch between what goes on at school and what goes on in the workplace. Like, I don't know, at least my experience in undergraduate, and maybe Luis could touch on this as well, is that it seems to be a little bit behind what is occurring in the professional environment. So my concern is that young engineers are going to come out of school and be less prepared. And that may even be worsened by AI. Like if students are just relying on AI to get through school, they're going to get to the professional workplace and realize that you can't just rely on AI. That may be a potential possibility. Luis, what do you think can be done to spark more interest amongst young students in the field of geotechnical engineering? How I got introduced to it was going to a uh, Cal Geo meeting. I thought geotechnical engineering when I first entered college was using um, like software to scan the earth. I had no idea what it was. So I think getting out there more to, you know, even junior colleges and, you know, where people are just starting and just float the idea. I always say discuss big, big projects as in like actually physically big. Everyone loves a huge infrastructure project. You know, it's cool. And then uh, also, you know, share numbers with people, you know, how much is the field growing? People, when they're entering college, you know, they're there to eventually get a career. So showing them that you're like, hey, you're going to have a job in the future. This isn't just going out. That's very important to a lot of people. And I think that's a great way to spark the interest. And then from there, you know, build upon that. There's a need for civil engineers. I think that, see, I was in Anaheim for ASCE some months ago. Maybe that's probably over a year ago now. And uh, they were talking about with the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, how many civil engineers are going to be needed. And I think it was something like 25000 per year for the next 10 years. And I think U.S. institutions are graduating like 18000 to 20000 per year. So there's a delta in civil engineers. I didn't see the breakdown for geotechs, but a good number of those are going to be geotechs that are needed as we're digging into the earth. <laughs> it's like we need geotechs. 
there's definitely opportunity there. And I think that you're right. We focus in on the big projects. That's going to be something that's going to be able to keep people's interest and get people excited. Sam, in the longer term, what are some significant changes that you anticipate in geotechnical engineering practices or methodologies? I think geotech is a data-driven profession, right? We want site-specific information from the uh, proposed development. We shouldn't be using it next door. We should be doing it on that site because everything is different, right? But also I think about the correlations that are out there, right? We have a lot of data in the last hundred years. We have a lot of lab tests. And I think uh, the winners of using this tool will find a way to use data to find new relationships and new correlations. We kind of take a couple authors for granted and I uh, think it's gospel, but maybe they're uh, either too conservative or not conservative. Getting the true heart of geotech, which is getting site-specific data and uh, updating our correlations so that we can be uh, better engineers in the future, providing better services to customers and, and honestly, a, a safer result for the general public. So I think uh, we can make safer designs, safer, more reliable structures if we implement some of these tools. We just need the young up-and-comers to develop those. So Adam, from your perspective, what are the next steps in order to use AI in your day-to-day tasks? Identify where it could be beneficial, kind of like we talked about at the beginning. Identifying what AI excels at and where maybe it shouldn't be used. Things like analyzing data, like Sam said, or I touched on using the OCR capabilities. Another way is that I think it should be gradually implemented. I don't think that we should just use it full force. I think that we should give it, you know, use it for more menial tasks. And then before we use it for, you know, something that requires engineering judgment or something like that, give it some more time. And Luis, how do you envision the advancement of geotechnical engineering in the near future? Currently, there's a ton of, you know, new softwares that are coming out and not only for geotechnical engineering, but for every field. And I think there's going to be a lot more coming. Maybe a lot of them will implement AI, you know, increase automation. So maybe you don't have to do too much of the grunt work of getting the numbers and it might do the calcs for you and all that. I, I think there's definitely going to be an increase in software reliancy. That's going to be a, a big part of training in the future is more of like a technical training, which isn't necessarily related to our field, but just understanding how to work these programs is going to be necessary. I'll go back to what Sam said earlier. The fundamentals are going to be so key. You know, as we're, as we're leaning more on technology, we got to make sure we're not throwing the fundamentals out. It's to, you got to know what a right answer looks like before you start punching numbers. Sam, I'm going to give you the last word here to, so to end off. And thank you to Adam and, and Luis and Sam, of course. What's the final piece of advice that you can offer to young engineers today that set them up for a successful, lifelong career? Don't get distracted. There will be new things, flashy things, promises that will make your life bliss. But don't get distracted. I think you need to focus on knowing what you know and get more confident in that. And more importantly, understand what you don't know and uh, seek to fix that. So no one's here. Uh, AI is not going to make you a better person. It's you and your own decision to develop yourself. And uh, these two young men, we're happy to have them. We had a wide uh, gamut of candidates, and uh, it really shows when somebody has some self-driven desire to improve themselves, it's easy to find jobs because we're looking for those people that are ready to jump on board like Luis talked about. I'm so glad that you came on. This is a lot of fun, and I'm sure that this provided value for those that are listening. So thank you again. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 93, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all of your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.